Natalie. And I'm Paul. Welcome to God Hates Fangs True Blood Podcast. This week we will be talking about May This uh, This May Be The Last Time, which is episode 7 of the 7th and final season. Oh, oh. episode 7. <laughs> episode 7 already, I know. Free to go. I know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, as always, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, you can email us, or you can uh, come to our website. Uh, or you can su- subscribe to us on iTunes. Okay, so should we just jump straight in? Let's jump straight in. Okay, so Eric and Pam. Uh, Eric and Pam and their posse of Japanese gangsters interrogate Amber by uh, tying her to a bed and shouting at her. Mm. <laughs> Good <Nice>. tactics. <laughs> All the tortures they could use and they just shout at her. So uh, Amber reveals that Sarah Newlin is now the cure for Hep V, but Eric spontaneously kills her before she tells them where Sarah is. Yeah, we kind of saw that Eric was going a bit crazy here, and he had like a vision of Sarah. Yeah, and then and then he flipped out and killed Amber. Mm, so we're thinking that Hep V is affecting his faculties, are we? Yeah. So presumably this is going to happen to Bill as well, if it hasn't already in the last episode. Oh yeah. Yeah, when he killed the lawyer lady. Yes. Uh, Mr Gus and Pam are both kind of pissed off at Eric uh, for being such a moron and killing their only lead. Mm. Uh, But Mr Gus comes up with an awesome plan. Um, Eric will capture Sarah instead of killing her. And the Yakanama Corporation... Sorry, Yakanama Corporation? I don't know. I probably saw it wrong. Yakanama? Yakanama Corporation? (laughs) It might not even be that. I just guessed. Well, anyway, they're going to synthesise her blood and distribute it as a cure for Hep V. Do we believe that? Is that that true? That's what we kind of said they should do. Uh, Yes. We said they should kind of carry on making some form of true blood in the crisis. So this makes sense. Uh, so Mr Gus offers a new deal. He will give Eric a 49% share in the multi-billion dollar corporation if he agrees to be the poster boy for the Hep V cure. Wow, sounds, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty fucking good. Yeah, but um, Eric is reluctant to sell out and compromise his image as a super cool badass vampire viking. But eventually he agrees because he really likes money. Mm. How, did, how did Mr Gus value the company... Uh, three billion uh, when it's bankrupt. That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get away with that shit on Dragon's Den, would you? No. Oh, I found out hmm. the Dragon's Den is called Shark Tank in America. Oh, oh yeah. And in and in Japan, it's called Tiger of Money. <laughs> Tiger of Money. Tiger of Money. I like it. Thank uh, you for that. <laughs> so, uh, so is this Eric's <laughs> end game? Is he is, is the last episode going to see him cured and in some cheesy Japanese commercial for new blood? Yeah, <laughs> just as opposed to boy and just mega rich and yeah. join life. Yeah, we hope. Uh, so uh, back at Bon Tomp, Jessica and Suki are all over Bill like herpes when they find out he's dying. Uh, Jessica even snuggles up to him in bed after Suki informs her it's not weird to snuggle with your vampire dad. She should see the shit Bill got up to with his maker, really, shouldn't she? <laughs> yeah. I think snuggling's weird. He twisted her head round. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they had sex in like a bed of blood in season two. Yeah, so a little snuggle, you're doing okay. Yeah, don't, that's, don't worry. That's, don't you're worry, not, Jessica. You're not pushing any boundaries there. <laughs> so next up we get a, a young Bill flashback. <laughs> uh, while Bill is sleeping, he has a vision of his 20-year-old self becoming engaged to his wife Caroline. A lot of Bill's flashbacks, I've noticed, uh, they kind of take the form of the dreams that he has. It's like he kind of relives his past while he's sleeping. Yeah, that's that's kind of how, yeah. Or is that just for TV to make it just, yeah. sort of <laughs> Just to make to... it more seamless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, but I think this was referred yeah. to as being a vampire thing by the writers during season three. 
when Bill had the flashback to seeing his wife and dead son and he saw it in a dream. I think the writers at the time said, oh, this is like a vampire rule that they've made up. I suppose dreams are like that, where people have dreams of flashbacks and memories. And but the vampire Not all ones. dreams like David Lynch films like ours, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the vampire ones kind of seem like they're watching a movie, watching a home movie of their past life. Oops. Anyway, in the flashback, Bill's dad tells him uh, that he has to marry their new neighbour's daughter, Caroline, so that their lands can be joined and they will be mega rich. Yeah, um, Bill wants to go to California and do cool Victorian shit. So he's not, he's not really interested. Uh, but then his pops reveals that he's dying, so Bill needs to do his duty. Did you think they did a good job of making Stephen Moyer look younger? Yeah, he's like... How old is he? He's 44, 45? Yeah, I think, yeah. He's supposed to be like 20 in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hard life back then. It just looks older, older than he was. Yeah, 20 year olds, they had a brutal existence. <laughs> Is that the first time I've seen Bill's dad? Uh, yeah, and his mum. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool, not Yeah, they, he had a cool beardy dad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill's reticence disappears, however, when he sees that Caroline is really hot and classy. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been lots of complaints about all the Bill flashbacks. Why? And lots of old viewers say there's too many. Oh, <laughs> tell us the story. <laughs> but we like them. We like. I like. I like 19th century stuff in general. So it shows how different his life once was, doesn't it? Yeah. And why is a bit stiff and formal. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are hoping that there's kind of some larger relevance to all these flashbacks to his life with his with his wife and kids and that. Such as any. Um. Uh, uh, I don't know, a couple of theories, like, is he going to be reunited with her in heaven? Is that his end game, that he is going to die? Because oh. his wife is actually his true love, not, not Suki. Or, or is he going to see his wife's ghost and that's going to inspire him to live? Or, I don't know, is the fact that he's capable of genuine love, as he was when he was human, is that going to somehow turn him human again? I don't know. Well, that's all interesting theories. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it might... It might just be that they just wanted to throw in a load of Victorian stuff because fuck it, why not? <laughs> we'll, so, we'll see. We've only got a few episodes left. I'm sure we'll find out. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Ludwig and Bill. Um, Suki is deeply concerned for Bill, so she calls on Dr. Ludwig. Ludwig? Ludwig. Ludwig? Ludwig? The, the dwarf doctor who helped her in season one and then helped Pam in season four. Yay! So awesome to see her again. Uh, how cool was it when she turned up in her Hummer playing heavy metal music? It's like the cardboard up. Who could this be? Fuck me, it's Dr. Ludwig. <laughs> she thinks she's got a bit of a shitty bedside manner. Yeah, but she's, she has her uses because she does explain to them that she treated another vampire whose hep V uh, was accelerated mm. uh, by fairy blood. Uh, she also reveals that the fact that Suki is from the fairy royal family... Uh, means that her blood is even more powerful, and so Bill is dying even quicker. Go! Go! <laughs> and even though Dr. Ludwig um, repeatedly tells Suki that she doesn't, she's got no enemies and she doesn't fear anything, she shits herself pretty quickly when Suki mentions Niall. Yeah. Is this? Is there more to this than Niall tells Suki? Do you think? Is... Yeah. Is he kind of a? Is he a bit more sinister than he seems? Because he seems nice, but she seems really worried. Well, like he's the out and out baddie. Ah, but he seems, he's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and wise and kind of granddaddy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not bad. Oh, I hope not. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Andy and Holly find that Wade and Adeline have left the treehouse, uh, mm. Fort Belfleur, as it's known, and Adeline has abandoned her phone, which no teenage girl would ever do. <laughs> so Andy calls Jessica, who reveals that although she can't feel Adeline's emotions... 
she hasn't been in any danger. So wherever she is, she must be safe. Yeah, so uh, that was good thinking from Andy. Yeah. <laughs> good thinking, because I, I totally forgot about that. He seemed quite relieved to hear this, didn't he? Yes. So he and Holly go to Wade's dad's boathouse to see if the young lovers are hiding out there instead. But they have no luck, and Andy breaks down in tears at the prospect of losing his daughter. Um, frustrated that he couldn't protect her or Holly. Ah, oh, they can't kill off Adeline. Oh, that'd be way too sad. That would be too depressing an ending for Andy and oh. Holly, and it would probably ruin their relationship. No, no. Don't don't kill Adeline, please. We, we, we want good stuff. <laughs> yes. We ha- want, happy stuff. Please have some happy endings for some, some of the characters. <laughs> so, yeah, so next up... Uh, um, uh, Jason, uh, uh, we see that Violet left a note for Jason saying that the relationship wasn't working for her and uh, so he's <laughs> delighted. He's like, yay! Yeah, quite stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's apparently left without him having to go through the dangerous task of breaking up with her. Really? Really, Jason? Is she just going to leave like that without getting any revenge? Really? Well, he doesn't know that she knows. He doesn't know she knows, but he knows <laughs> how sort of protective she was of, of him and... And she kept saying he was hers and... But she was quite insane, so from his point of view, she's he just... could think, hey, she's kind of weird, this is an eccentric, so maybe this is what she does. Maybe she just yeah. fucks off when she's bored. <laughs> uh, but actually, um, in, the reality is that Violet has uh, surprised Wade and Adeline by revealing that she has an amazing mansion house that she's pretty much abandoned. Yeah. Um, so, hang on, so why did she live there with Jason? Why was she living in Jason's shitty little house if if she loved him so much and she's got this big Why, yeah. mansion? Maybe she just liked playing at being a normal human or something. I don't know. Her house was so cool, though. Why would you want to live there, surely? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Violet shows Wade and Adeline around her scary sex dungeon, uh, which has tons of antique strap-ons and Fifty Shades Grey shit. Hey, there's also a sinister portrait of Violet on the wall. Were you thinking that she was watching them through the eye holes of the portrait? Yes. It kind of... <laughs> creepy old horror movie where the eyes move. <laughs> yeah, it kind of had that vibe. Why, why was it that Violet made Jason wait like, so long to have sex if she's like really into sex and she's got a sex mention? Uh, just to fuck with his head? To test his loyalty, maybe? Hmm. He, was, he was eating her muff a lot, so it wasn't like she was getting nothing out of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Wade and Adeline Wade and Adeline are pleased to find find this sanctuary uh, but, um, but they find all the bondage stuff a bit too much, so they just stick to regular teenage sex shenanigans So uh, Violet returns and reveals that she's not as nice as she was pretending, as she knocks Wade out and handcuffs Adeline to the bed So I'm, I'm trying to work out how is this all to get revenge on Jason or is this just Violet kind of channeling her anger I don't know, because originally I thought she was just going to take him and do bad stuff to him and get Jessica blamed. But that's kind of gone past that now, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure what her game is still. She's just crazy, so who knows. <laughs> but Jessica does indeed feel Adeline's fear and rushes to help her. Yes. Um... Did, she didn't even take her shoes, did she? She kind of rushed off out of bed. I didn't even see her put her shoes on. She's really, really not prepared. Hey, she should have gone told up. She should have, yeah. She should have taken some stakes and... Some guns, yeah, some wooden bullets. Because Father's pretty fucking powerful and... Ancient, and, and Jessica's ancient. A, a baby vampire. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, people have been complaining. You know how people like to complain. Oh, it's always something to complain <laughs> The fans about. of True Blood, they do like to moan. That's it, though. Uh, they've been complaining that they don't really care about all the sort of relatively new characters like Violet, Adeline and Wade. Oh. 
and so this kind of feels like a waste of screen time uh, when there's only three episodes left and they could be having more scenes about people that have been in it since season one. Yeah. Yeah. I get what they're saying. I get I understand. what they're saying, but this does all relate to the characters, yeah. the old school characters, doesn't it? Because this does all relate to Jason's fate and Andy and Holly and Jessica. It's, so, it's all connected, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You need those um, kind of peripheral characters. We need, yeah. Might need some extra fa- fairy power. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Hoyt arrives in Bon Tomp with a hot girlfriend. Yeah. Arlene opens up Belle Fleur's um, along with Big John. Yay! Yay, Big, Big John! John. <laughs> An underused background character who is a... Uh, uh, He's in the books quite a lot, I think. I don't remember him having any major shenanigans, but he's definitely in the books. <laughs> so, yeah, we see Arlene is delighted uh, when the empty Bellfleurs gets a customer. Woohoo, a customer! Uh, apparently a rare thing in the vampire holo- uh, apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it's Hoyt! Woohoo! And he's somehow found a supermodel girlfriend in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, and she, she works on the oil rig too. Yeah, she's a scientist. Maybe she could make a heavy cure. Well, yeah... <laughs> Uh, Jason uh, is doing some topless vacuum cleaning. Uh, thanks, writers. <laughs> so he's interrupted by Arlene, um, calling him to let uh, let him know about Hoyt's arrival. This scene pretty much was approved of by every heterosexual lady and gay man that was watching, I think. <laughs> I don't think anyone was disappointed by Jason. We could have a whole episode of Jason vacuuming shirtless and no one would complain. No, we don't need that. Let's see, write out all the other characters. <laughs> Just have Jason. Jason. So Jason arrives to inform Hoyt of the circumstances of his mother's death and explains to Arlene that Hoyt no longer has any memory of Jason. Uh, Jason finds himself instantly attracted to Hoyt's really hot girlfriend. Of course, it's Jason. Why not? Uh, Even though Hoyt doesn't remember him and they aren't friends, Jason is still trying to steal Poontang from Hoyt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jason seems to have grown up a little bit though as he resists the urge to uh, gratuitously show Hoyt's lady... Uh, Hoyt's lady friend is muscles. Yeah, how long is this going to last? Is that, is that where this is going? Next episode. <laughs> uh, so they go to the morgue, and uh, and Jason does the right thing by Hoyt, and he pretends that Maxine died a hero, and that the vampire who killed her is now dead. Yeah, that was nice. That was, that was noble. That thing. was noble. Yeah, thoughtful of Jason. Although Hoyt should have said, hey, my mama, she wouldn't be... Doing that, she, she'd be on the side of the vigilantes. <laughs> I just think Hoyt's going to find out that it was Violet that killed his mama. Yeah, it's... someone's got to spill the beans, surely. And she thinks going to eventually, she thinks going to eventually fall out with Jason all over again. Or In the you, same way, she's going to be unglamoured somehow and remember all the all the good friendship they had. Well, there is a fan theory. That Hoyt never lost his memory, and he's just been pretending all along oh. to f- just to fuck with Jason's head, which is quite insane. That's but no, a good theory. yeah, yeah, yeah. He wore contact lenses that no one knew about. Yeah, and, and they kind of from worked Wal- as from Walmart. Yeah, they kind of worked as anti-glamour contacts. Yeah, yeah, because it's quite. I mean, it's quite a big thing to write somebody's entire past with their best friend out of their memory it's, it seems like too much I don't know I one, don't... one word answer yes or no will Jason bang Hoyt's girlfriend no I'm so no Ooh. oh I don't know <laughs> <laughs> two word answer I don't know but um, he, no I, but I do like the idea that he's going to find out he's going to get his memory back somehow if he hasn't 
if he lost his memory at all, I do think that I think he's gonna get it back. That'd be good. Yeah. So uh, Arlene is closing Belle Fleur's when uh, when Keith shows up, mm. sexy Keith, and uh, the pair of them end up having sex on the pool table, just like Sam and uh, Daphne did in season yeah. two. Characters you forgot. Wow. <laughs> um, so we're just surprised to see Arlene have a bit of a graphic sex scene. Yeah, I don't think she's had a sex scene like this before. I think she yeah. was. I think there was a scene with her and Terry when they were like in the main ad orgies in season two. But mm. I don't think she took her clothes off or anything. That's quite, quite nice to see. Enjoyed <laughs> that. Thank you. <laughs> of course, though, this is just a dream. Mm. I forgot. I totally forgot. Mm. I totally forgot about the dream thing. But hey, yeah. Work out, it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, hey, I mean, maybe it was a premonition because Keith shows up at Bellflowers the next day. And um, confirms that he is, in fact, 515 years old. Yeah. So, as it, again, I mean, we saw this with Eric and Jason. Uh, I think it's interesting that when a vamp- whatever a vampire tells you in the V-induced dreams is actually true stuff. Hmm. It's not... So the, the, the dreams are not powered purely by the imagination of the human. There is something of the essence of the vampire in them because you wouldn't have known otherwise his actual age. Yeah, so there's, like, that true connection. Yeah. So anyway, so Arlene tells him that she can't have sex with him because she's hep V positive. No! But he says that's okay. They can just dance. Or uh, they could use a condom, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think as well as finding a cure for the vampires, I think it would be nice if they found a cure for the human carriers. Yeah. uh, So that Arlene could get laid. Yeah. Because her and Keith look really great together and she deserves some hot vampire loving. (laughs) So yeah, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, oh yeah, in between running a bar and having dream sex with Keith, uh, Arlene finds time to give some advice to Sam. Yeah, um, Sam doesn't know uh, what to do about his predicament with Nicole. Arlene advises him that it's not the same uh, to run away from something as it is to run to a new happy life with a wife and a baby. It's it's not an easy dilemma for us to answer personally because we like babies and yeah. we like Sam, but we hate Nicole. Yeah, I mean, also Sam would. He'd make a good dad. He'd make a great dad. And he's never had a real family, so this might be a this might be the best for him. So this could actually... I, I mean, last episode I was dubious. I was thinking, really, yeah, this is Sam's yeah. endgame? There's, no, there's no kind of action storylines for Sam at the moment. But maybe so, that's or... nice. He's had such a lot of shit. Mm. Poor Sam. Maybe it is nice that he doesn't have to deal with any other bullshit and he can just leave the town guilt-free with his wife and baby and live happily ever after. So, yeah, he's already, he's already left the name of lots... So that's already changed. The bar's already been changed. It's yeah. not like he's leaving Malots. He's leaving. Maybe Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill can become human and be the new mayor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they can find a replacement. That's handy. And he's the sheriff. He can't be the sheriff and the mayor. That's too much. Oh. <laughs> Jason could be sheriff. Shoot. So, Suki. Suki is still searching for a cure for Bill. Uh, oh. So she does the obvious thing which uh, we kind of thought all along she would do, and summons Granddad Niall, a.k.a. the dude from Blade Runner. Yes, um, Suki's sure that Niall can do some fairy magic that will cure cure Bill. Uh, but instead, he does the fairy time travel magic um, and shows her the moment when Bill's wife gives birth to their daughter. That's a pretty awesome superpower. I forgot they had this superpower, the fairies. It's pretty awesome. Um, but Suki is unimpressed. Yeah. And she's quite... Quite petulant with Niall. Yeah. <laughs> when she explains that, uh, when Niall explains to her that life and death and love are all miracles, and sometimes magic isn't the answer. Yeah. Did oh. we think that Niall could cure Bill? 
I, previously I thought, yeah, but in retrospect I'm thinking, no, that would just be too much of a kind of deus ex machina for Niall just to turn up and say, yeah, okay, Bill's good, bam! Yeah, it's too simple. <laughs> too simple, so yeah. So if, if he can't then, does that mean that Sookie's love for, for Bill will be the cure? Oh, that'd be cheesy. Is that too cheesy? Yeah. It's cheesy, but it is the kind of thing True Blood would do. So is Bill going to die? Uh, I didn't think he was going to die up until recently, and now I'm thinking, you know what, he could... It could be Eric lives and Bill dies. Is there any theories on this? Um, see, I kind of think that what the message that Nile is trying to give Suki is that this is all something to do with Bill having a family. Yeah. And that's why we've been having all the flashbacks to Bill's family oh, as okay. well. Because maybe it's the blood of his descendants that can cure him. Uh, which would mean that Andy or Adeline or Portia uh, would be the cure. Oh. So maybe it was significant that Bill didn't drink from Portia in season four. Yeah, because she kind of said to him, hey, bite me! And he said, yeah. no! <laughs> yeah. And that's how I thought, why are you not biting her? Um, yeah, because... Uh, I, don't, I can't think of any other reason for the writers to specifically say that Bill's not going to bite her. Unless they had it in mind at that point that there was something significant. Because none of the other vampires have got descendants, have they? No. None of the other... No. Eric and Pam and everyone, none of the others had kids and... I've got great, 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 great grandkids floating around. So, so what uh, do you think then? Well, the other possibility is that Bill's going to die, I suppose, mm. and be reunited with his family. Because those flashbacks, they must be relevant somehow. They've shown, they've shown a lot of flashbacks. They've shown they? so many flashbacks. To his family life. That, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, why would they throw those all in? Right at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. It's the end game, isn't it? It's the end game. Yeah, it's got, it's got to be relevant, otherwise it's really bad writing, and I would be disappointed if there's no relevance to all this. So, anyway, distraught that she's going to lose Bill, Suki runs to his house in her white nightie, <gasps> and they have sex by the fireplace, like in season one. Exactly like season one. <laughs> the same music and the same dress and the same fireplace, everything, except this time they kind of both look older, and Bill's all covered in veins <sighs> that look quite weird. <laughs> <sighs> And, uh, yeah, fans are, they're fucking fuming that Suki had sex with Bill so soon after Alcide's death. Oh. Like everyone gives a fuck about Alcide all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, hey, you weren't going on about Alcide before. Why are you worried about his feelings now? Hey, maybe it's like, maybe it's like guilt sex because she's, she's kind of given Bill his death sentence because <laughs> he's dying. She blames herself. I, but I think it's, I don't know. No, I think it's more to do with what with what Suki was saying to Jason in the previous episode about Bill kind of being her first love. Ah. I think it's more to do with the fact that she's about to lose her first love and yeah. she feels they've got un, they've got a connection and there's unfinished stuff between them. Ah, okay, yeah. I think. I don't think she would just shag Bill for the sake of it. <laughs> Maybe she just liked having sex with Bill. and She, she likes Bill? She thought, hey, I might as well just have one, one last... One for the road. One for the road. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's... I don't know. I think the way the fans react to Suki having sex with people is a bit kind of... Too much. It's a bit reactionary. The way they are, oh my God, she's had sex with like three guys. What a slut. <laughs> you think, no, <laughs> not really. She's like, what, 30? <laughs> Get a grip. So, so meanwhile, in uh, what appears to be the... The shortest true blood scene ever. <laughs> this was brief. Um, we see a small girl look out of her bedroom window and see Lafayette and Letty May digging up her front yard. There wasn't even any dialogue. Oh no, there was. The girl said, Mum! Mama! Mum's who the fuck are these people? <laughs> 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 fucking digging! These metal people. There's um, a guy in 
fucking ladies' makeup and clothes. Did you? <laughs> and the lady from church digging. <laughs> Did you think it was Tara in the flashback at first? Uh, no, I was confused because I didn't recognise the kid, but, and she did look like the kid that played Tara in the yeah, flashback. Yeah, I think she did. But, there wasn't the kind of normal, they had that weird kind of hazy filter mm. on the camera when they do flashbacks. That is true. And there's normally some kind of set up for the flashback, like somebody's remembering or having a dream or blah, blah, blah. That was, that's an <laughs> awesome scene. <laughs> yeah, no, no need to explain anything, they just, they dig in. They dig in. In this episode. Okay, so that... The Yakuza attracts Sarah Newlin to the Fellowship Church. Uh, yeah, it turns out that the Yakuza have the same supervillain powers as the terrorists in 24. <laughs> and they easily commandeer a satellite to track Sarah Newlin's exact location. Wow. And yet it took them all that time to find Osama bin Laden. Wow, that's... that's how, yeah. how the fuck? <laughs> so, Hera... Uh, Hera. Hera. Uh, Hera. Sarah heads uh, for the old headquarters of the Fellowship of the Sun which we all remember as one of the highlights of season two. Ah, oh, I think this was my fav- one of my favourite True Blood storylines yeah, ever. I'm with you on that. When Jason joins the church <laughs> of the Fellowship of the Sun and Steve Newlin and Sarah Newlin both obviously really fancy him and then she gives him a handjob in the bath and oh, it's just awesome. It's <laughs> just so awesome. <laughs> so once she's there, um, she starts having crazy visions of Steve Newlin and the guru telling her to choose between Christianity and Buddhism. She likes the idea of going to heaven, uh, which kind of shows how self-absorbed she is as uh, she chooses her religion based on what she can get out of it, not on her actual beliefs and principles. Uh, She also has a shirtless uh, vision of football player Jason from season two. Yay! (laughs) uh, Delivering some home truths and a Governor Burrell's decapitated head. Why was she having all these visions? I didn't understand. Was it just... Is that the effect of the antidote? In, uh, oh fucking hell yeah you know blood oh I didn't even think of that yeah of course <laughs> of course that's obvious <laughs> so, and that yeah. was hold on did they did she then get captured I actually can't remember what happened do you know I've not got a clue what happened <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> it's only a couple it's only a few days over saw it didn't, I don't it, know was there flashlights um, like it's headlights like lights or headlights there were people yeah. they were looking for her they were there and looking for her yes but I don't remember them actually kind of grabbing her or anything no who knows we'd remembered Ah, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so that was pretty much it for the episode, wasn't it? Uh, that was it, yeah. I... What, do, what do you think, we like in that one? It was okay, I don't think it was the best of the season. No, not the best, but still getting closer it's to that, kind of, that ending. It's the, I'm assuming the last three episodes are going to be the kind of climax and the resolution and setting up the kind of final fates of all the characters. Yeah. So this is the kind of calm before the storm episode, I think. I thought the last episode was the calm before the storm. Hey, yeah, that's <laughs> no, this one. So from from here here on end, it's just going to go. It's going to be bam, bam, bam. People dying everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, time for some music. I, I, oh, oh. We have to just this is okay. That you can do an acapella music jingle. Go on, do it now. Music makes the people come together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first off, we had um, I'm in Love by retro 1920s style band Doozy. And, and that was Adeline's ringtone. And then we had I Miss My Baby by blues singer Sonny Ellis, which was played in Belle Fleurs. And then we had Army Girl by Seattle indie rock band The Genders. Uh, that was in Jason's headphones. Oh, that was cool. We should check them out. Uh, we had Say Goodnight by folk band 5-2. And that was when Hoyt and his girlfriend eat at Belle Fleurs. 
Open the Gates by New Jersey progressive metal band Rapid X Fire. Uh, that's that's a Ludwig's car. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, we had Jesus Asked Me Out Today by Amanda Jane and the God Rockets, uh, played at the Light of Day Institute in kind of Sarah's memory. Uh, this you might remember this band were, was a fictional Christian rock band that appeared in season two of True Blood. <laughs> they weren't. I don't think they're a real band. I think they're a, a made-up band awesome. in the show. Uh, next up, Rodeo Queen by country singer Gal Lynn. Uh, that's while Sam and Arlene were talking at the bar. Uh, we had In Dreams by uh, by the legend that is Roy Orbison. Oh, uh, when Arlene and Keith dance, uh, Roy Orbison, in case you don't know, has the greatest voice ever. Voice of an angel. Voice of a fucking angel. Um, and then for the end credits, um, maybe the last time by Canadian jazz singer Nadidi Onkawulu. And Diddy Onkawulu. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And that was over, yeah, that was over the end credits. Uh, so, that was music, and now it's time for our What the Fuck of the Week. The Yakuza are able to use a shitty laptop to get access to a government satellite. And then track Sarah Newland down and identify her using facial recognition technology from the future. Whoa! What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even have... I mean, at least in 24 they kind of have... I don't know, they're based in CTU and they say, oh, open a socket and they've got all these big servers and stuff. They had none of this shit. What was it's, going on here? They just had a shitty little laptop. <laughs> Let's go and Google Earth. Let's <laughs> find Sarah Noonan. <laughs> so, yeah, there weren't many what the fucks, but that was a what the fuck of the week. <laughs> bad, bad writing of the week. Far, far-fetched moments of the week. We love it. We love it. Hey, there's vampires and werewolves and stuff, and we're complaining that they don't have the necessary <laughs> computer technology yeah. to carry out this. <laughs> that might be some fat, I don't know, 16 gig RAM gaming laptop they was using. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so next up is time for our line of the week. Line of the week is For what it's worth, when I was your age, I used to fuck my brother too. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we believe you, Violet. We do, but it was probably but acceptable in the fucking five thousand years ago. Yeah. How old is Violet do we know? I don't think we specifically know. Oh we don't. We just know she's European and old. Yeah, so she's into loads of kinky shit. Yeah, so she's into loads of game of friends shit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's a good line of the week. Was there any Close ones, can you think? Or uh, that was the only one that kind of stuck out in my mind. There could have been others. That was the prominent one. <laughs> that was the one where she said it. I thought, oh yeah, that's line of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, it's time for some news. Okay, so in the news, uh, X Men: Days of Future Past is out on DVD and Blu-ray in the US. On the 14th of October. 
and in the UK on the 10th of November. What? Yeah. <laughs> we have to what wait. The fuck? What? <laughs> what the juice? I'm I'm not happy about that. We miss we we couldn't get a babysitter, so we missed seeing it at the cinema. Which so, I fucking love X Men. <laughs> so, but but the reason for mentioning X Men obviously is so we finally get to see. Anna Paquin scenes. Yes, because Anna Paquin uh, uh, rogue scenes were cut from the oh, theatrical release. Terrible. No. What the fuck? I was devastated when I heard that. Do we know why? It's just a uh, time... Because the film was so fucking long, mm. <laughs> apparently. Uh, Do you know she's up for the next one? I think the next one is just like Fassbender and McAvoy and all the... Like the X-Men... That's a shame then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, in the comics, Rogue and Magneto have a romance. So I was oh, kind of yeah. wondering if they'd do that in the film, but then the, the different timeline things, the way the timelines are different in the films, I don't think that would work. It'd be too weird. It would be too weird, because it would be Ian McKellen and, and Anna Paquin, and that would... <laughs> that would be too weird. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very strange. Uh, also, there was a, a bit of controversy on the internet this week. Uh, you may have noticed this. If go, on, you, go on. If you go on the internet. <laughs> uh, when a promotional image for season seven appeared to show Joe Manganiello's body photoshopped on, on, no, his, German, sorry, Elsie's head was photoshopped onto the guy who played the Green Arrow's body. Okay, so it's Elsie's head on Green Arrow's body in a coffin. But, but, for, it, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even, gone so popular. But fortunately, it turned out that it was all a big misunderstanding and the posters were actually fan-made. And the artist wrote an apology to the actor who plays Green Arrow uh, for passing his pecs <laughs> off as Joe Manganiello's. Like, when I saw this, it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously? Yes, why? <laughs> when you see them next to each other, it's like, why, why have you used... But there's so many photos of Joe Manganiello shirtless. I didn't understand why the guy had to use a photo of Green Arrow's chest. <laughs> I, I know why they did it. Hmm. So, that, so that they would get mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. They knew that we would chat about this. <laughs> no, was... in, in all fairness to the guy that made the posters, he, he was just doing them for fun. Was, yeah, well... That's but they well made. they were so fucking good that everyone thought they were official posters and they were just posted everywhere online until someone noticed. So it was we, we just couldn't work out why Joe Mangiela Man, why Alcide why he would be given someone else's body when he it's like he's like the most ripped man on TV. Why would you give him someone else's body? Yeah, but, <laughs> but hey, no, the guy wrote a really good apology letter that explained it all. So yeah, well, so that's it's all that, okay. That <laughs> so yeah, I think that's all the news. Uh, so it's, next up is spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled about next week's episode, uh, tune out now. Uh, okay, next week's episode is going to be called Almost Home. <gasps> and the synopsis says, with his prey in sight, Eric reconsiders his endgame strategies against Sarah. Uh, Suki puts her life at risk in hopes of saving Bill. Letty May and Lafayette urge Reverend Daniels to join them in their V-fueled search for Tara. Violet eyes payback against those who betrayed her, while an old love is reborn for others. Oh. What's the old love, is that? Jessica and... Jessica and Jason? Or Jessica and Hoyt? I don't know. Oh, oh. Maybe Hoyt's going to see Jessica and think, wow, she's really hot. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck this supermodel chick I was lucky to get. Let's go with her instead. (laughs) And then Jason could just get in on both of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is all the spoilers we have. That is all the spoilers. It's thin on the ground for spoilers recently. Yeah, there seems less. Obviously, they're letting less stuff slip out. Of yeah, season. yeah, I think so. Okay, I'll just have a link, one link for you on the website uh, to the picture of Joe Manganiello's head on Green Arrow's body because yeah. it's just it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. And 
I think that appears to be all. That is all. So uh, join us next week. Yeah, enjoy the episode and see you soon. Goodbye for now. Bye for now.